He's an active duty police detective. He's here to talk about an investigation of a serial rapist that terrorized a community he worked in, how he apprehended him after escaping from jail, and how it inspired his book. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to look for the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show all over social media. We're on Facebook. Look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On MeWe.com, look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On Twitter, follow LET Radio Show PO1. On Instagram, follow LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Gab.com, search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Again, our website is letradioshow.com. Hope to see you online soon. Calling us from South Florida, we have Wayne Cox on the phone. Wayne is an active duty Miami-Dade police detective, correct? A detective slash officer, yes, sir, correct. And you've been doing this how long, Wayne? I've been doing it for 27 years, sir, 27. Okay, first rule of this radio thing is I'm a retired sergeant, so you don't call me (laughs) sir anymore, and I get it. I I still find that old habit of calling people sir and ma'am, and old habits die hard. But thank you for your service. I do appreciate it very much. In 27 years, is it fair to say you've been through a lot, seen a lot, done a lot? Yes, I have. Uh, I started off on the road, uh, went to specialized units. I worked uh, community policing uh, for many years, uh, resolving issues in the community, making the community of Miami a better place. Uh, I went to uh, narcotics. I was a narcotics detective for over five and a half years, basically doing a lot of narcotics transactions, uh, buying, selling doing prostitution, just like Miami Vice, uh, Vice Squad, and then I worked warrants for over five and a half years, going ahead and tracking down the worst of the worst, uh, bringing back fugitives from all around uh, the United States, and uh, and right now I'm uh, stationed at the Port of Miami, uh, basically just dealing with the uh, the community, dealing with uh, passengers on cruise ships, and just trying to keep everybody safe and so forth. Wayne is also author of the book, Miami Panic, story of Wayne Cox and the Shenandoah rapist. In my police career, I, I did have to investigate a few rapes. Uh, I was able to find one serial rapist and, and incarcerate him, have him arrested. He was found guilty. Very difficult case to solve because it's stranger on stranger crime. And most crimes, crimes of violence, it's usually someone the victim knows. So when it's a total stranger, it's very difficult. You... I'm sure have done all that. Yes, Jay, uh, I've, I've done that. Uh, with this case, with the Shenandoah rapist, this was a very unique case because it really affected Miami. You had a individual that raped over seven, eight women, uh, ages from 11 to 79 years old. Um, the one that was 11 years old, he was able to target her uh, when she came home. He was able to uh, knock at the door. He actually... Uh, like most of these predators, they scope out uh, potential victims. 
and he was able to go ahead and gain entry into her residence when she came from school. Uh, unfortunately, her mother is a single mother, so she was away at work. Uh, when he went ahead and knocked on the door, he was able to force himself in. He raped her for over one hour. Um, nobody should ever have to go through that. And and uh, he was a very uh, sick individual that uh, was able to uh, to go under the radar because naturally the area that he uh, where he lived at was the area that we call Shenandoah. Uh, is in Miami, and uh, it made worldwide news, believe it or not, because nobody knew who this individual was when he was raping. He was able to go ahead, target his individuals, and then go ahead and to then just disappear. Uh, so it was a, a very big ordeal because of not only the amount of people that he raped, but also the age and so forth. One of the things, and I, I hear this all the time, is you know the police don't care we do care very much and we don't care what walk of life the victim came from especially when it comes to crimes of violence and i certainly am one of those people who believe that rape is a crime of violence it is not a sexual crime it is a violent crime having said that serial rapists often become serial killers when i say serial meaning they do it repeatedly you said earlier in the conversation they look for a certain type of victim. They stalk them. They do some preparation. That's all part of the thrill for them. And it's all part of the buildup. But they're also pros at blending in and not sticking out. It's not going to be like the boogeyman down the street and looks scary. It's going to look like the guy right down the street that you wave hello to every day. Most definitely correct. And that's the, the sad thing and the scariest thing about it. Because uh, what? how does a sexual predator look? Well, there's no look. It could be anybody. It could be from uh, somebody that you know, uh, a family member or a stranger on the street, somebody uh, that uh, you would go ahead and confide in. And so with this particular case, uh, he was able to go ahead and blend into the community. Uh, he knew that, and that's what he was able to go ahead and capitalize. It's almost like a, a lion. Uh, you know, when you see certain predators out there in the wild, they always go for the weakest. They always right. go for the elderly or the youngest. And they sit back and they're able to go ahead and, and, and watch and then they go ahead and then uh, execute their plan. And this is why he was so dangerous because uh, naturally nobody knew how this particular person looked. And uh, so he was able to go ahead uh, from 2002 to 2003, terrorize Miami, the Shenandoah uh, area of Miami. And uh, you know, you had a, a big task force that was trying to go ahead and find this individual. And uh, it, it was really very difficult because he was able to go ahead and blend in, like I said. And, and pretty much this is why the community has to go ahead and basically reach out to each other so they know who belongs in the community. They got to almost think like police officers. Like, as being a police officer, we know that we have those instincts that we can see somebody, we see something that's out of the ordinary, and then we can say, well, wait a minute, that's strange. Well, you know, what I try to do, because I'm an advocate, I try to educate women and children to kind of think like law enforcement. If they see something that is not looking, uh, you know, as uh, kosher, then give law enforcement call us. I mean, because we're, we're, uh, we have our dispatchers that, you know, that we're always, you know, waiting for, to go ahead and to go to a particular call. So the main thing is that the community has to be aware. They have to be able to communicate, know their neighbors. And so if they see, say, somebody that's actually hanging around the neighborhood, they'll go ahead and, you know, reach out to their, their neighbors. And then if they cannot reach out to the neighbors and verify, they can reach out to law enforcement. One of the things that 
I say, again, I hate this phrase. I say it all the time. I don't care whether someone believes in God, Mother Nature, or whatever it is. If something makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, makes you uncomfortable, those are God-given or nature-given instincts designed to help you survive and stay alive. Trust them. Follow them. You can always apologize later on if you're wrong. And I've been wrong before. I'm not a saint by any or perfect by any measure of description. However, most of the time, as a cop, when something made me feel hanky, and I'm using air quotes, when somebody was doing something that was out of the norm almost every time, I'd say 99.5% of the time, they were usually a criminal and they're usually violent. That's 100%. And, you know, God has given us that, you know, what we call a sixth sense. Uh, you know, you're, you're there, you're watching a certain person, you're saying, wait a minute, something's not right, time of day, uh, somebody doesn't fit in. Uh, a lot of times we don't, you know, we want to be politically correct and say, well, you know what, I just don't want to go ahead and call the police or, or you know, because maybe I might, you know, somebody might get the wrong impression. But those are things that that we have in our instincts to feel like when something's out of place. And I was saying, just imagine if some neighbor or somebody went ahead and when they saw him in the community hanging out maybe on the street corner or doing something, if they went ahead and called the police Maybe all these women wouldn't have been raped. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Wayne Cox, Miami, Dade, a police detective. Don't go anywhere. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. There's so much more to talk about. We'll be right back. Want to win great prizes in awesome contests? Who wouldn't want that? It's easy. Just sign up and subscribe for the Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. Return conversation with Wayne Cox. He is a Miami-Dade police detective, a police officer. He's also author of the book, Miami Panic story of Wayne Cox and the Shenandoah rapist. I didn't know until now Shenandoah was part of an area of Miami. And I'm from Virginia and Maryland originally, and the Shenandoah Mountains is the first thing I thought of. This has nothing to do with that, does it? That's correct. That's correct. It's an area in Miami. It's a small area, uh, mostly populated by uh, Hispanic uh, culture. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's an old neighborhood, and it's a very tight uh, neighborhood with a sense of uh, you have schools, you have uh, multiple stores and stuff like that. And, um, and so that's, that's definitely Miami. Shenandoah uh, is in Miami, and I know you have many other Shenandoah areas around the United States. So this guy was nicknamed the Shenandoah Rapist because of the area where he was raping, and he was a serial rapist. About how many victims was he charged with? Well, you know, Officially seven, but he was also undocumented uh, individual from Honduras. And so uh, what a lot of people probably felt that he probably raped a lot of women, but unfortunately some of the women might have been undocumented, and so they would not go ahead because of the police and might feel that they might be deported. They did not report it. So officially seven, but many people have maybe quoted that this guy was doing this for many, many years. So it could be way over 12, 15, 20 uh, women that he raped. And his youngest victim, I believe you said, was 11? 
11 years old, and uh, unfortunately, he was uh, able to stalk out her residence. She was coming from school, and, you know, the mother was a single mother working many hours to support her daughter. Uh, She was away at work, and apparently he scoped her out maybe for a couple of days because of her actual routine. And when he knew that she was home, he went ahead, knocked on the door, uh, she opened the door, he forced himself in, and he raped her for over one hour. And it's so sad because, you know, when you hear her testimony and what she had to go through uh, with this person uh, doing this heinous act, it, it, it really can, it really hit a nerve. And probably that's probably the reason why not only the 11 and 79 and the multiple women, uh, so many people were in the community, they weren't able to go ahead and they were scared that they were their kids. And it, it really, he really terrorized the whole neighborhood for over a year because nobody knew exactly who he was. And so it was definitely a, a time in Miami history that uh, a lot of people were just scared to go out. Uh, they had their kids in the home. Um, and, and so it was a very uh, historic time in Miami, unfortunately, because of that particular individual doing what he's what he did. One of the things I think of right away, Wayne, is Ted Bundy. And when we think of serial killers slash serial rapists, and many times these serial rapists turn into serial killers because they don't want to leave potential witnesses behind. So it's very much about self-preservation. It's horrible what happened to these victims. And we could go on and on about the efforts they have to repair their lives afterwards and rebuild their lives. And they are superhuman in my experience because they find a way to generate the life they want to have. Ted Bundy's last victim was, I believe his last victim was a 12 year old girl in Lake city, Florida that was, he abducted from school from a middle school campus. She was going back to, I believe a classroom when she left their purse and I think her name was Kimberly Leach, and he was able to convince her, these are how skilled these people are, to put herself in a vulnerable situation and wound up murdering her. What I'm getting at is these people practice, practice, practice getting people to do what they want. And the number one thing I always tell my daughters, my sisters, my wife, is to develop a mindset of I'm not the one. I'm not the one you want to mess with. You said earlier in the conversation, just like lions, just like tigers, just like leopards, they pick out their prey is a more vulnerable, it's either youngest, injured, or oldest animal because even a gazelle, if they kick and break your jaw, you're done. The, the, the predator is done. These predators look for people that they can convince that will do them no harm. They convince them to do, put themselves in harm's way, but they won't harm them. That's the first thing to look for. A hundred percent. And that's why it's so important for everybody to talk to, you know, people in your family, uh, talk to your daughter, talk to your, your mothers, talk to, you know, your aunts and let them know, first of all, if they ever see anything that's out, that's out of the ordinary, how to go ahead and act, how to go ahead and always, because prevention is better than an ounce of cure. Right. So you have to, when I say think like a police officer, you have to always go ahead with women and, and children. Uh, if they see something suspicious, okay, always be prepared, always thinking ahead of time. So, you know, a lot of times we, you know, unfortunately we don't live in a perfect world. And so 
we have to go ahead and make sure that we talk to our, our certain people who that might be a potential target on ways to stay safe, on ways if they feel uncomfortable, um, you know, to be always uh, looking at your surroundings, always before you go into your residence, if you see something is wrong. If you're driving uh, from a certain location, to make sure you're not being followed. Right. Because these predators, that's what exactly what they do. They go ahead, they have a pattern, they have a routine, and so we have to go ahead and educate the public to think like law enforcement, to go ahead and, and, and to understand that sixth sense, that if they feel something is not right, to, to actually not to suppress it, but to go ahead and to bring it out, to go ahead and act on the suspicion. And that could be either by, you know, alerting somebody, letting them know, listen, something is going on, I feel somebody's following me, or, or, you know, or just basically calling the police. And this is what we have to do to go ahead and try to, you know, keep the public safe. Because one rape is more, it, it's, it's too much. Right, and, it is. And that's what we have to do. And so many people are, are ready to discount, readily discount. Look, I wanted, I knew there's something wrong with this guy, but I didn't want to take a chance and give bad information. They're not going to lock the guy up based off your phone call. They'll look at him and find out. I, I was watching, I think it was Oprah show a long time ago, Wayne, and the person was on a show. I don't even remember what her name was, but she said she pulled into her driveway of her house as a townhouse. And the first thing she noticed was, the trash cans were out of place. And she she discounted, like, oh, yeah, not a big deal. I'm going to pull in the garage. What she didn't realize was the attacker was hiding behind the trash cans. That's why they were out of place. And I think someone used the term, those are signs that will let you know something is seriously wrong. When you see something that is seriously wrong that makes you go, something's not right here, it's okay. And it, in this case, to, to throw your car in reverse and drive off somewhere else and call 911 and say, I got a bad feeling. Can you have a police officer come to my house and just check me? It's okay. That's all you got to do. If there's nothing to it, guess what? No harm, no foul. You live another day and things are much better. If there was a bad guy there, you may have just saved your life and possibly saved the life of many others. We are talking with Wayne Cox. He is a 27-year 20 year veteran police detective with the Miami-Dade Police Department. He's also author of the book, Miami Panic, story of Wayne Cox and his Shenandoah rapist. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore because now you can listen to it on Podopolo, the free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there, too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. Return conversation with Wayne Cox. He is a 27-year veteran of the Miami-Dade Police Department. He is a police detective. He is also author of the book, Miami Panic. Story of Wayne Cox and the Shenandoah Rapist. Back earlier, we talked about this rapist, and I don't believe in giving out names of bad guys. I don't want to give them any publicity whatsoever. He was eventually arrested, tried on seven assaults, and was convicted and sentenced to five consecutive life terms, correct? That is correct. That's the last I'm going to mention of him and his name. I'm not even going to give his name. 
So this guy's on the loose. He's raping women from age 11 to in their 70s. And the, the period of time we're talking about is roughly two years, correct? That's correct. That's correct. And Miami, just like everywhere else, once these things start popping up and people become aware of them, it almost creates, a, like the, the name of your book, The Miami Panic. It creates a panic environment where like, am I going to be next? And, and am I a potential victim? Is the guy next door the rapist? It must have created a very uncomfortable situation for everybody in that area. Most definitely, most definitely. And it's between 2002 and 2003. And what happened was that you had a major task force that was uh, constructed to go ahead and to apprehend this individual. Uh, at the time, nobody knew. They had a description. And because of many different women that he was raping, you would go ahead and get different description of how he looked and so forth. And they tried to do a sketch. But, you know, with the whole task force, unfortunately, many people were stopped. Many people were, you know, detained in the sense of uh, following the actual uh, the, the pictures and the actual uh, information that they had. But they could not go ahead and find this individual. Well, thank God one day or one night, it was a, a sergeant, a city of Miami police sergeant that uh, was out uh, looking for uh, this particular rapist and had a vehicle. He was in a vehicle and, and apparently I think he was scooping out his next victim and a traffic stop was initiated. And with the traffic stop, uh, the sergeant went ahead and uh, realized that he did fit some of the description. And they did their investigation. There was a lot of DNA that was also left on many of the scenes uh, from him raping uh, multiple, multiple women. Uh, so naturally, once they went ahead and detained him, uh, they were able to go ahead and do a DNA. And once they found out that this, uh, the DNA was matched to all these multiple rapes, uh, they knew that they had the, the Shenandoah rapist. At that time, uh, the chief was, uh, or the head gentleman of the city of Miami was Chief Timothy. And, uh, he, you know, he was very happy that uh, the city was now able to rest, that they had this individual in custody. Uh, while he was in custody, uh, waiting for trial, uh, he was able to come up with a plan to escape from uh, our TGK. That's the jail that he, uh, he escaped from with having um, sheets as a rope. And he was able to uh, propel himself from a nine foot uh, building. Uh, to the uh, the bottom floor. He had help. He had a other uh, individual that uh, was, uh, they broke out of jail together. Uh, he got caught because he went ahead and fell and he broke his uh, his leg. But the, uh, the Santa Rapist, he was able to scale over the, uh, the wall, over the gate, and he was on loose for about over a week. Uh, within that week, you can imagine that all the women that he raped they were terrorized because naturally they didn't know that he was going to come back, try to kill them or whatever. So here we go again, you know, the multiple task force locating this guy that escaped now from jail, like a Hollywood escape. Um, the unit that I belonged to was uh, the tactical narcotics team. That's TNT. That's actually where the movie, believe it or not, Bad Boys uh, 1, 2, and 3 was, uh, was copied from my unit. Uh, we were the original uh, TNT and uh, we were called upon to go ahead and locate. Uh, we had over 179 tips. The tip that I got, uh, me and uh, Detective uh, Velez, that was my partner, uh, we followed up on that tip. We located an individual fit in the description. He was able to shave all his mustache and everything because he was on the loose. 
We didn't know if he was still in Miami or wherever he was, but we followed up on that tip from the public, and uh, we found him in a uh, over in a parking garage or a parking lot, and uh, we were able to go ahead and we looked at him. He lost a lot of weight. He said, you know, this could be the guy right here. He was saying that no, he's a uh, he's from Honduras. He's a um, you know he's a illegal uh, immigrant. And he's not uh, the person we're looking for, but we kept on drilling him and we're like, no, this guy got to be it. Once he realized that he could not go ahead and fool us, he took off on foot. We had a big pursuit on foot through the parking lot. Fortunately, we had a canine unit because we had a task force looking for this individual. And the canine unit was able to help us uh, apprehend, uh, which is the Shenandoah Rapist. And around that time, it was Christmas. So you have to understand the whole city was on ease. Uh, that this guy was back on the loose. He escaped from jail. and uh, But when we got him, it was a big relief uh, to the whole city, to the family, to the, the young girl who he raped, the, the elderly woman. And, uh, and so that was really uh, one of the uh, most, you know, crucial time in my life because naturally, you know, he couldn't rape. I have a daughter, I have a mother. And so everybody took it personal to go ahead and apprehend him because we knew that this guy, you know, is a very sick individual. And naturally, as you said, uh, a lot of rapists end up being murderers too because that's why they're serial rapists. Right. And so uh, it was such a uh, relief for the whole city. That's why I called the, the main the book Miami Panic because the whole city panicked. Uh, cause that's what he did. He, he, they panicked twice. He had original rapist spree that they knew about and everybody's walking around. Am I a potential victim? Is somebody watching me? It's like that old Rockwell song. I got a feeling somebody's watching me and then he's arrested. You can breathe a sigh of relief. Okay. We got him. He's not going anywhere. And then he escapes from jail and he's back on the loose and everybody is up in arms and worried again. And rightfully so. One of the big differences is. And the early investigation, they didn't know who he was. They did, they, they're trying to go by description. And descriptions vary from individual to individual. So you and I both know that you can't put a lot of stock in descriptions. You, you use that to narrow down who you're going to look for. But the sketches they come up with, the, the forensic sketches, exactly. almost never looked like the guy we were looking for when they caught him. Like, oh, my goodness, it doesn't even look like a guy. So, And they've done studies where they had – Five people lined up like a bank robbery, a staged bank robbery, and every one of them gave you a slightly different description. So it's difficult tracking down the guy just based off description. What's also difficult, and maybe you can elaborate on, is once you know who he is, he escaped, you have photos of him, we had photos in our police car, and they never look like they're doing a photo, and you're like, is this the guy? Is this not the guy? Is this the guy? And your, your instincts are saying, this is the guy, and I don't want to be the cop who lets him go. Correct. It's got to be a tremendous amount of pressure on you. Exactly, and that's exactly what happened, because while he was in jail, he lost over 50 or 40 or 60 pounds. So the sketch that we had, and then he went ahead, he didn't have his beard and so forth, and he was able to go ahead and, and try to disguise himself, was definitely not what we had in, uh, on our actual bolo, be on the, the lookout. So, you know, he was able, and then he was very smart to go ahead and blend in, and he was going from uh, down the railroad tracks, hiding and so forth. And uh, so you're 100% right. A lot of times, you know, when you have victims and they go ahead and try to give you a description of how the individual looks, a lot of times, you know, the, the sketch artist will try to do their best. But you're 100% right because when you look at 
how uh, from the first initial time when he was out there raping multiple women and we didn't have any uh, sketch of how he looked and to when we actually uh, apprehended him, two different, uh, did not even look like the sketch. And, uh, so, I want to say so it's funny right. how that happens, but it's not funny because it happens every day. We're talking with Wayne Cox. Wayne is a career law enforcement officer. He is a police detective with Miami-Dade in South Florida. He is also the author of the book, Miami Panic, story of Wayne Cox and his Shenandoah rapist. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We have much more to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. As click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Return conversation with Wayne Cox on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Wayne is a police detective, Miami Dade Police Department, 27 years on the job. He is also author of the book, Miami Panic, story of Wayne Cox and the Shenandoah Rapist. Before we end the break, Wayne, you're talking about the Shenandoah Rapist was eventually arrested. He's put in jail awaiting trial. Uh, seven assaults. He's since been convicted to five life terms. He escaped from jail. And I believe reading somewhere, when he was caught, he had a saw or something on him that they think he used to, to help break out? That's correct. He did have a saw uh, that was on him when we went ahead and apprehend him. And, uh, and, and most likely that's what happened. He was able to go ahead uh, TGK is the jail that he was actually uh, at, waiting for trial uh, for all the multiple rapes that he did. So he was able to get the, the sheets and make a actual uh, a rope from the sheets, uh, and he was able to propel down the wall and to escape. When you found him, and I want to go back to this, I remember my police career having photos, bolos, being a lookout for this individual, and. You think you see him, you go like, is that him? Is that not him? Or I was like, oh, look, it is him. And then it's like you, you move forward and, and try to apprehend him. When you had this guy cornered, he was giving you another name. I remember being a young patrolman, and I had some young guys stop for, I don't remember what it was, Wayne. And I asked them their names, and the guy goes, Michael Jordan. And I'm like, yeah, I know who Michael Jordan is. That ain't him. <laughs> you know, people will give you bad information, and they are so convincing about what they say they almost have you second guessing yourself like, oh, yeah, maybe I am got the wrong guy. Maybe it's not him. Did you have that internal conflict when you and your partner stopped them? Amazing. Exactly. I had the same uh, conflict inside, uh, wondering, knowing, uh, you know, your gut feeling is saying, you know, you got, the, you got this guy, you got this guy. Um, but then also questioning, uh, which, you know, because unfortunately, you know, as law enforcement, we want to make sure that we get everything right. Uh, the first time um and and naturally that was something that was going through our minds you know me and and my 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 partner but we knew we had the sixth sense we knew that you know something was wrong we felt it we kept on pressing and he knew he knew that listen he he was cornered you know like an animal uh, when he's cornered and he took off on foot and once he took off on foot you know running him down and saying in my mind that's where my faith came in um you know, to my God, because I am a Christian, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that things happen for a reason. I believe that God puts us in certain situations to help out the public, and we all have a 
asserting good. We have all a calling to do great things. It doesn't matter if you're a police officer. It doesn't matter if you work uh, taking out uh, trash or doing whatever you do. You are definitely here to make the world better. And as I was running after him, and I said, if he escaped, that means he could kill somebody. He could rape somebody. And I remember when I was thinking about giving up because, you know, we were running for a long time and I had to reach into my inner spirit and I said that we can do all things, you know, you know, for God, for those who believe. And apparently as soon as I said that, I had this energy, this burst of energy that, that just came upon me. And I continued to go ahead and we were able to go ahead and, and tackle him and bring him to the ground. And, and that's where we, saw, we found the actual saw that he had that he used to cut out of the, the bars. And so it was just uh, realizing at that point that, you know, that I was, you know, my job, because being a police officer, sometimes, you know, we do it because, you know, we, we have a calling. Not everybody right. can be a police officer. And sometimes, you know, you might not get the public that gives you the positive praises. And that's why I also wrote the book, because I wanted to go ahead and educate the public about how sometimes as being a law enforcement officer, you, you join the, the, the job, you try to arrest the same people. You know, sometimes the system, they allow them to get out. Sometimes, you know, you, you might not get positive praise from the public, but you know you're doing something good for the better of society. And so with my book, I try to go ahead and, and, and educate the public because a lot of times officers could get frustrated and wondering, is this the right position? Is this the right job? Did I go ahead and, and, and make the right decision? Well, I would tell every law enforcement officer, you are ordained by God to do great things, to keep the public safe. And you have a call, and not everybody can do it. And it is where sometimes we might not get the positive praise, but you know that you're making a difference in society. And so I wanted to share my story with my book to let people know that we all have a calling to make this world better. And it doesn't matter if you're a police officer, it doesn't matter if you work at whatever job. Once you're trying to better humanity, to make people's life better, to educate people, to help people, that's the whole calling of being a law enforcement officer. It is. It, and we used to have a saying, Wayne, if you want to be loved by everybody and be a hero, be a firefighter. Exactly. That's what if you... If, even back in the 80s, there was a segment of the population who did not like police. They never will, and they're very vocal, and no matter what you do, but your obligation to them is the same as the people who love and support you. We would show up anyway and make sure that your son survived. Here's a really frustrating part. I know you went through this 27-year career. It's inevitable. The last people who saw my face quite often in Baltimore were young men who were shot and killed and took their dying breath. And it wasn't their family members there. It wasn't politicians. And it certainly wasn't activists. And it wasn't the news media. It was Baltimore police. In your case, Miami, Miami-Dade police. And you're trying to let them know, even though you know they're probably not going to make it, you're there for them. Exactly. And, and, and you know, I thank God for the Miami-Dade police. I thank God for all the police uh, stations and all the police uh, around the United States and around the world. Um, because, you know, we, we don't have an easy job. But as I say, we're in it for the right reason. We're making a difference in the community. And I know with the Miami Day Police Department, uh, we have great leadership from our director all the way down to our sergeants. 
um, that is very professional, that we care about the community. We do great things to go ahead and to, to make the community better. And so I just want to go ahead and, and let everybody know that, you know, police, we are your friends. We, we are here to help. And, you know, unfortunately, I know there's been a lot of things in, in the media where defund the police and, and where they're trying to say, you know, because of maybe 1% of bad apples, which is very small, uh, that, that means that we're all the same. No, the majority, 99.99% of police officers are there. They're professionals. They're there to, uh, to help the community. And so I want to share my story uh, because I know my calling now is to, to make the world better. My calling, I, I, I do public speaking. I am a motivator. Uh, and I realize that, uh, you know, for me, this whole thing with the Shenandoah rapist, it made me look at life in perspective. It made me realize that not only how blessed and how fortunate I am, but I can also go ahead and educate women uh, on how to stay safe, educate children. So that's my calling, uh, it, that I want to go ahead and to help the public stay safe, to help other law enforcement officers that sometimes might be frustrated because they don't get the positive praise from the community and let them know that you're getting praise from our Father, God, Jesus Christ, right. that you are making a legacy. You are doing a, a, a task that not too many people can do. So and, your motivational speak, where can people get information about you and your motivational speaking? Yes, well, basically, uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, people can look me up on Facebook. Uh, can, uh, my book is online, uh, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart. Let's put Miami Panic. And for my Spanish uh, family, I had also in the uh, Spanish version, which is called Panico in Miami. Uh, so naturally, if anybody wants to go ahead and reach out, they can go ahead and just uh, either go on Facebook, keyword, Wayne Cox City, Miami, and uh, message me, uh, message me on uh, Messenger, and uh, and so basically, uh, I'm always uh, here to go ahead and and to make the community better, and to to educate people, and and motivate people. And I think that's how I found you. I saw a news article about you and your social media. I looked you up and sent you a direct message, and he replied. So if you want to get in touch with Wayne Cox, just look look him up online. Uh, again, look for the book. The book is called Miami Panic. Story of Wayne Cox and the Shenandoah Rapist. He is a 27-year veteran of the Miami-Dade Police Department, still an active police detective. Wayne, I want to thank you very much for your service. Very much appreciated. And I really thank you for coming on the show, telling your story. And it's very much greatly appreciated. Well, thank you for having me on the show. And thank you for what you have done uh, by educating the public, uh, your talk show, your podcast. Uh, you have... Uh, taking the, the calling that God has put in your life to do great things, to, to be an advocate for law enforcement. And so I want to go ahead and thank you for all that you have done, and I want to thank you for your service. I want to thank all the police officers that are actually around the whole world, around the United States, and I want to tell them and encourage them, and listen, you, you guys and ladies and everybody on the force, you guys are doing a great job, and your blessings will come, maybe not from the praise of the certain individual, but from our God. Uh, Jesus Christ. So continue, fight the good fight, and uh, do great things, and know that you have been selected to go ahead and make a difference in this world. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week 
and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. And if you're able, leave an honest review and or rating. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.